Welcome to the Builders Podcast, episode 30. Meet Stephen Wilson Downey, his journey in developing an AI-based WordPress plugin. Thanks for listening today, Builders crew. If you're new to the crew, welcome aboard. This is Matt Levenhagen, your host. The Builders Podcast is designed for those that are building stuff on the web, whether that's building a business, an agency, building teams, building products, services, cool plugins, or building websites. If it's related to building something, it is fair game. Some of our episodes are solo, where I just step you through various topics that I have experience with or want to share. Others will include guests or friends that share their experience. You can check out past podcasts, future ones, and my blog at mattlevenhagen.com. Before we dig into this episode, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. And after listening today, please share this episode if you found it valuable. We really appreciate your support. Let's talk just for a moment about who our guest is today. His name is Stephen Wilson Downey. He first reached out to me on LinkedIn. He asked about what we were doing around web maintenance. I run Unified Web Design, so we do that stuff. So he inquired about that. I probably thought he needed web maintenance, but it turns out he has a WordPress plugin he's developed that helps with maintenance, with actually keeping websites up to date. So I thought that was very interesting. We got along well. And I think he mentioned, or I mentioned, uh, that I had the podcast and he'd like to be on it. And here we are. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Hello, everybody. We have a new guest today. His name is Stephen Wilson Downey. We met recently. I think we met on LinkedIn. Like I meet a lot of people on LinkedIn. It's an awesome place to be. If you're not on there, get on there. <laughs> and don't be afraid to send instant messages out of the blue. Certainly work. Yeah, I can. Is that what happened? Probably. Well, I, I decided to do a connect first, you know, yeah. see, see how where we stand and then send a message maybe a couple of days after. I don't want to be too pushy at the beginning. <laughs> no, it's interesting. It's interesting to see everybody deploy their different strategies and some work, some don't. A lot of them I just, I have to ignore, but at others it's like, you know, hey, this guy's interesting or, or something's in line, like what you're doing is interesting. But yeah, so that's how we met. I don't know if that was a month, two months ago or so. Yeah, um, there are votes. Uh, and I think that's a, you highlighted a really good point there. You have to have a mutual interest for, for that's right. a real connector work otherwise it's just going to be far too cold absolutely and we jumped on a call we talked about stuff and here we are i'm happy to have you on today i'm glad you are joining us uh, you got an interesting story and that's obviously what we do here we like to talk about people's stories and their background and their journey because that can be inspiring and fun to listen to and we can learn a lot from that and just get to know you so i'm going to throw it to you you can let us know a little bit about where you're from what your background is and you know how your journey's been and we'll go We'll take it from there. I suppose, where do I start? I'll start from the beginning. I grew up and I'm still located in County Cork. It's a county very south of Ireland. And I would have grown up in the outskirts of Cork City. Cork City would probably be regarded as a town in, in most places in, in terms of scale, but we've got a population of around 300,000, so we like to call it the city. But yeah, I, I mean... That's, a, that's exciting. We got our first Ireland guest. Oh, great. No pressure. <laughs> I'll have to do Ireland some justice here. Great place to visit. So yeah, that's my job done. So yeah, I grew up in a small town called Glamire. My mother's side of the family is from Cove, so it's a, an island just in, in Cork Harbour. From our 
our, our roots, uh, my great grandmother was the first uh, female pharmacist in, in Ireland. Uh, she grew up, uh, she descended from a family in the north of, of the country and they moved down in the 16th century and they've been there ever since. So uh, she set up a, a pharmacy in 1908. It was with her uh, husband, John or Jim, he'd go by either. And little did the general public know at the time that it was a woman behind the scenes making their medication and her husband was uh, dispensing. And as far as the customer was concerned, it was that the husband was the pharmacist. So she had to do that back then because I, I suppose in Ireland, women working when they're married and, and raising uh, children, their their role would have been seen to, to be at home in the household and, and raising the family. So yeah, she, she was a bit of a trendsetter there. Went down from my grandfather uh, to my mother and I would have helped out here and there. But it was either cooking or tech in in my books when I was growing up. Loved computers, but also loved food. That's where it all kind of started for me. You're still doing cooking? Yeah, I've learned to enjoy it again. So I did eight years of chefing. And so at the age of 16, we do something in secondary school, which is the equivalent high school in in the US. We'd have to do two weeks of work experience. And I did one week in a kitchen in the local hotel because Gordon Ramsay was on television a lot back then. And yeah, it, it was enlightening. And I just wanted to sense that that bit of uh, adrenaline and yeah t- uh, tried that for one week which was a very exciting experience awesome experience very intense environment and then the second week I was in a local uh, web development company which was run internationally so it would have been Care Systems Ireland they had me working on responsiveness for Internet Explorer and Mozilla Firefox for Avon's lipstick range and that turned me off web development for, <laughs> for a while what, what year was that? That was back in 2006, 2007, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I was a, a young whippersnapper. I was running the, the computer support in my school for, for teachers and any class that I wanted to skip out on. What I do in advance is I'd go into the, the, the room, open up the computer cabinet and change the graphics card settings so that they wouldn't know that display was extended onto the projector. So if I was in maths class, for instance, and I wanted to get out, I'd hear a message for me on the intercom hop out go down the corridor and uh, duplicate the, the displays on the on the graphics card again so that was a nice 15 20 minutes out of class uh, so yeah uh, it was good fun I, I wasn't a great student but yeah it was either cooking or software web development tech I think the reason why I made the choice was that responsiveness wasn't a great place to start with with web development and things like that it, like you come across the most interesting problems and I, I didn't have the patience for it but back then I didn't realize I was I was so much into business as well because business studies in school, as far as I was concerned, was you're learning how to write checks and do accounting. Yeah. And business is so much more than that. There are oh, only okay. two tiny components. Important, uh, important, but tiny. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if there's no checks, you're in trouble. And if uh, there's no accounting, you're in even more trouble. But yeah, so that kind of turned me off for a while. And I, I didn't realize that I had a passion for what I was doing until I was in a small restaurant in a, a place called Yall, which is in East Cork, a restaurant that was just purchased. And they were starting from scratch, building up the business and, and the problem solving. I, I loved every second of it, implementing systems, things like that, improving communications. But the 
very first venture I had was born out of that restaurant. Uh, we were using a technique to cook meats and uh, do very interesting things with vegetables called sous vide. Have you heard of sous vide? No. Yeah, so sous vide is a really, really interesting way of cooking food. So you would place your food into a plastic bag that would be food grade quality and you'd remove the oxygen and seal it. And what that allows you to do is it allows you to cook the food at a lower temperature. So instead of cooking it up to 75 degrees and losing a lot of nutrients in that process and flavor, you can uh, cook it at a much lower temperature. And because of the absence of oxygen, the flavors intensify, but also you get a natural shelf life in the fridge for three weeks and I thought this is a really good way to create a ready-made meal that was ultimately guilt-free so you know you can make a really really healthy dish and the whole idea behind it is that you know it's there on the supermarket shelf put it into the basket as soon as you go home drop it into a pot for eight minutes or, or microwave it dinner's done and it isn't full of artificial ingredients or anything like that yeah that was the venture that I had so my local university I entered a competition got a small bit of capital for my own sous vide machine there was a, another hotel just down the road for me the Gary Ho Hotel they allowed me to use a corner of their kitchen to experiment with my dishes and things like that and further along in uh, the development plan I realised that I needed 1.2 million euro to, to get it off the ground and oh. I thought do you know what you could spend a lifetime raising that money I put it to bed um, but, you had the, but you got the bug you, you suddenly realised I like business I like uh, yeah exactly <laughs> and that was it I had that itch, you know, I was doing a scholarship and uh, a master's in marketing at the time. So I was helping student entrepreneurs with, with their own businesses, but I couldn't let go of the idea of establishing and creating something. Yeah. So with five euro in my hand, I went into um, the bank that was on uh, the student campus opened up a business account and got started. Met my business partner, Dave, the same master's program that we were doing. And mm -hmm. I wasn't sure what we were going to be doing yet, but I knew I wanted to do something. Uh, so, you were, so you were starting a business, but you didn't know what it was going to be yet. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I looked at my skill set, I looked at Dave's skill set, and I thought, you know what? I learned a lot about branding and business development and analysis, marketing, all the, that good stuff. And I said, right, so the goal here is let's create a business services company. And with the idea that a business would come to us and get multiple facets of their needs catered for by the one company, the whole idea was that it was going to be cost effective for them and didn't have to deal with multiple suppliers and stakeholders. Mm. We figured out fairly quickly that that wasn't working because like a few months in, people were asking us to do social media. And I don't know if you ever tried delivering that as a service, but I like to call it the, the chefing of business it's a, it's a lot of hard work but with very little thanks in return uh, yeah. so yeah uh, we decided to focus in on what we were good at we had met our, our other business partner Kian who was really good at building websites we just uh, amazingly so it, it was half coincidental that I ended up in the area of web development again and Kian was doing the coding Dave was doing the design for the websites and I was going out there getting customers customer by customer by customer we all still had our day jobs at this stage so I was doing the scholarship I was helping out with my family business and just letting the capital build up uh, so that it'll fund us at a particular time and we just jumped in one by one and and that's ultimately where we laid the foundation and, and where we grew it's, it's interesting 
interesting how there's a couple things to take away from that. Like, number one, I always love to hear that story where you tried something and it failed, but you learn from it. Like, yeah. there's probably a lot of lessons from that effort, even though it kind of, at some point, months down the line, you're like, eh, this isn't what we want to do. Exactly, Matt. And I think that's like, trial and error is, is a big part of doing things. In my opinion, it's a really good way to learn. And there's, there's no shame in it. But I think it's important to recognize that when you're engaging in trial and error, make sure that it's not at the customer's expense. Right. I mean, you're you to a point, right? I think, I don't know if you listen to Gary Vee at all. I, I listen to him here and there. Cool dude. But he talks about this quite a bit. You know, he takes risks and he fails all the time, but it's not like crushing failure. Like he's not going to lose his entire business. It's calculated smaller risks. And, you know, that's important to understand. Yeah, totally. Like uh, controlled exposure, I suppose, would be a good way of describing it. But like that being said, I I think it takes a lot of courage to recognize that this isn't working and I need to to pivot or change what I'm doing. And I feel that if if you don't have that in the back of your head that and you need to choose to listen to that voice and recognize it, respect it. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you can have an idea and try different things and but pivoting is is a good word because it's like okay well this isn't working let's try a little something different or a spin on it or or you just listen to the market maybe they're telling you something that you don't uh, you didn't anticipate and you go in that direction so exactly yeah and uh, I I think you know it it can be applied to just what you're doing for your customers and listening to their feedback and their experience based on on such as well and that's how Spare our development company grew you know we began doing websites and it was website by website by website. And then we spotted an inefficiency in Mm -hmm. website maintenance. Yeah. And then suddenly we started going into artificial intelligence and we, we've only started doing AI software development in the past year and a half, but we were using our own SaaS solution. So it was at our own expense that we were doing that practice of trial and error. You know, we wrote our first business plan and we were like, yeah, we, we've got this in the bag. We know exactly what we're doing and we know that the market is there and we're going to make millions uh, next year. Here we are two years in and we're going okay so we built what we thought what the market wanted uh, but they're actually telling us that they want something different so like at the moment now it's it's all about case studies we have something that works but how it's delivering what it's meant to do is the next hurdle that we need to jump over you know the ux ui and the, the installation process as well you know having that frictionless what does that look like towards the end customer and you're asking a lot of questions you're like that that's part of it right yeah trying to figure out the right questions to ask like and how to improve on what you're doing yeah let's talk a little bit about what you're doing so i'm sure you just piqued some some folks interest listening to this like did you just say artificial intelligence what in what yeah <laughs> so yeah it was i'll start with the problem kian was working on one of our biggest websites at the time if if anybody is uh, familiar with WordPress or for those who are unfamiliar with it, the WordPress system is combined with building blocks or, or plugins where one plugin could be your contact form or the other could be your shopping cart. And sometimes they'd fight with each other when they update. And lo and behold, this happened on our biggest website and it went undetected. Suddenly we realized that this was a problem. Only half the products were displaying and things like that. And we couldn't get to the root of the problem. So we had to disable half of the website's functionality to keep stable and it turned out that there was one plugin looking for a comma that was missing and it was just throwing the whole thing and that took three weeks three weeks to figure that out and 
I was there bringing in new business, there was existing projects, things like that. And it was an absolute nightmare. That was the whole trial and error thing as well. Naturally, we needed to have a maintenance practice that was much more structured and organized. But consequently, things can still go wrong. So I, I was saying to Keaton, surely there's a way to automate this. And he said, no, I'll be using it by now if, if there was. So I searched in Vato Elements, did weeks worth of Googling and, and found nothing out there that was that was good enough in my books to be proactive when it came to website maintenance one of the things you mentioned there it's like now i do i do website maintenance as well for clients and you can be as careful as you want to be we have a process with one of our major clients where we have a staging site and we test everything there but you're human yes you can only test so many factors yes you know if, if unless you want to be there for the next year and yeah. if it's a especially if it's an e-commerce site there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of plugins and you do your best to have a routine that can identify real issues but then you could push that out and, and like, we didn't find anything. Everything seems right. But then you push that out live and a couple of days later, something happens. It's an anomaly of some kind that you could never have anticipated, you know, and then now you're bug fixing that, troubleshooting it live. That is a real problem. And that's the thing, you know, you're working on fixing that issue and you're leaving other clients waiting with other projects that they would probably have a tight deadline on as well. well. Right. And you said that too, right? So the, the problem is, so you have that three weeks. Now you have this major issue in your business, whatever, in your agency, or we call yourself an agency. Business. Yeah, yeah. Agency would be fair to describe. Yeah. Here we are, just like one, because we're an agency. So you have three weeks now that you have this complete distraction and that can have a ripple effect all the way through your other projects and your clients. And you're trying to now juggle something like that's taking half your time. Yeah. That's, yes. that's a nightmare scenario. Yeah. I would have preferred a fire in the office than something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so yeah, that, that's where it was born. We decided to engage with our local university and say, right, well, we want to build this. We we don't have an AI software developer in-house, but do you know someone who's really interested? In, and that's when Praveen came on board. Yeah, we had so many people tell us that it was impossible. So Praveen will be our uh, CTO and he originally came in as a student temporarily and then we just got on like a house on fire. He, he loved what he was doing. He, he loved the problem. He loved building the solution and we loved what he was doing and the relationship, it, ju it just fit. So uh, yeah, we decided, you know what, come join us. Not only can we build our own AI solution, we can offer it to other small to medium enterprises or, or multinational corporations, whoever needs how did, it. How did you make the leap from okay we have this maintenance problem to ai like was this something that was that you had experience with in the past ai and technology like that or it just had an inspirational thought one one evening over yeah. you know, drinking some uh what do you drink what do you have irish whiskey over there you're drinking some oh we, we have plenty we have too much of it uh, <laughs> we're trying to export all of it but uh, nobody else is drinking enough of it uh, <laughs> but yeah you're like you're drinking your irish whiskey and something like you know what? AI, you know, you're looking at everywhere, artificial intelligence everywhere. There's people are creating drive, you know, driverless cars and, and uh, maybe this could be our solution. How'd that happen? And it's a really good question. Would have done a lot of reading in that area. It was an area that really interested me. I was doing a few articles as well on, you know, automation and, and how big companies were utilizing AI with the big data. I suppose what originally prompted that rabbit hole of, of reading or research was what Google and Microsoft were doing to harness their, their big data. What were they using it for? How were they implementing it? How were they building new products? 
and it, it just stemmed from there. And I, I suppose it was at the back of my head at the time when I asked the question. Yeah. And, and here we are. I was a big fan of some movies such as Bicentennial Man or AI, all that really cool stuff. And just kind of fell in love with the prospect of it, but not from the fact of just pure automation, but how it can make people's lives and jobs easier and better. And I think that's what people misunderstand with AI. They view it as something taking over their job. And I very much contest that. I think it's going to transform what people do. And I think jobs and business is going to become more peer-to-peer and person-to-person uh, because we've got all of these brilliant software solutions to, to automate a lot of the drone work uh, behind a lot of activities. Yeah, and it's kind of frees up things that you don't need to be doing. You can do other things. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's awesome. We we have it installed in our portfolio of websites. And actually, a really good example is there was a WooCommerce update, a really, really important one. It was in line with their security that it had to be done. And instead of Keen having to spend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday updating the WooCommerce plugin in our portfolio in a controlled way, Ape was doing it automatically. And actually, this is the first time I'm mentioning a name of the product. Yeah. Uh, AIP, Ape. Uh, and he's a little monkey that's working in the background which uh, has saved us a lot of hassle. That's a great name. Yeah, That's good for branding. I love it. Yeah, it's interesting. So it uses, this is a plugin yeah. and it's using AI. Does it have, I love AI too. I, so I, any video on YouTube that's about AI, I'm going to be watching it or artificial, you know, like uh, machine learning and all that stuff. Does it use like machine learning? Are there any data sets you're using like that help continues to learn and evolve and get better yeah. at what it does? Yeah. So like that was the biggest challenge at the beginning we were like, okay, the, the AI model I thought was going to be the hardest part to build, but actually, no, it was the easiest part. It was the data. Getting that data to train the model was so difficult. So we had to build multiple scrapers, basically scrape sources of plugin updates when they were due and things like that. That was just one element to detect new updates, but also we had to do a whole load of different plugin mixes and components to train the model and how they would all relate to one another. Like that took the best part of a year, get up and going before it is even able to automatically update a website that just consisted. Does that happen like in a virtual kind of environment that you create? Yeah, it happens on what we would call a virtual machine. So essentially it's a cloud server and we would create this virtual machine. I like to call it a robot. We're creating this robot that is linked to this data set. And the way I like to think of it is this robot is, is reading a book and the book is constantly being updated. It's looking at the website going, right, so this is the website. I'm going to check the book here and see what's going on. Okay, I need to update the website in this uh, certain way because these plugins have the latest versions. And that's essentially how I like to describe the process. But you mentioned earlier that the way you conduct website maintenance was you had a staging environment. And before you even dream of pushing it to a live website, you would conduct your plugin updates on a copy of the website. Would I be right in saying that? Yep. Yeah. So what we did was we just looked at what Keen was doing and created a digital clone of what Joaquin was doing and away we go. It works the exact same way a developer would in terms of proactively updating websites in a really safe way. And it saved us a ton of time. And we were yeah. thinking, this is great. We, we, we have to show it to the world. But that's always easier said than done. You know, we want to make sure that it's customer by customer. Uh, really gather all that feedback before uh, we release it to the masses. Because... People can be very skeptical of something like that too, right? Yeah. 
because it's, you have to convince them that, and I've worked with, I've worked with people in the past too, that even come from software backgrounds and, and that makes it even worse because they know it can all go wrong with automation and software. And, you know, there's people out there that they don't want any auto updates at all. They want to shut all that down. They want to not have the hidden bot or whatever to, to yeah. automatically just update everything and, and uh, hope it works. And then they arrive at their site one day and it's all broken. Um, yeah. I think auto updating has been given a, a really bad rap because, you know, there's some providers that like to do just cron jobs, basically, let's mm-hmm. auto update everything as far as their automation went is, oh, we'll uh, send you an email uh, letting you know that your website's broken, which to me... Yeah, that's like- kind of like the, kind of a backwards way of doing it there. But yeah, well, even now WordPress is like, has auto updates or you can do plugin auto updates now. Yeah. People are probably jumping on board with that that aren't very familiar with what can go wrong there. If you exactly if you know what combination of plugins you have, and yeah. that's a big problem. And I mean, you're talking about like you're doing this all this testing and, and it's learning your AI, your machine learning on like there's literally tens of thousands of plugins out there that people could be using. Yeah, 55,000 and, and counting. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's nuts. But well, one of the things that I was thinking about before too, though, in the power of machine learning, AI and all this, and like if you compare it to cars, I was watching a documentary a couple of weeks ago about some company, I think it were in Phoenix or something, and they are... They've already rolled out. They have, you know, uh, driverless taxis or some, you know, something that's uh, driving people around without driving. And they were talking a lot about the safety of it and how it's how it learns and that why it's better than human because they're well, a human is going to learn, but they're not really learning everything, right? Their their system, which is global, like a global system, is learning from every single yeah. every single uh, whatever drive that their cars are all taking into and that's aggregating that all into one system. And not only that, then they do have like a virtual model that they're learning from. They've got like billions of more, you know, experiences that they're learning from and and they can test it in different ways by introducing different things into the environment and tweaking it and seeing how it'll react. And like, it's massively better than a human can do. And that's what I'm thinking, like with what you're doing, you know, once this is, you know, trained over time and it's continuously learning from different installs and websites and all this stuff from all these different data sets or whatever. And I say data sets, I have no idea how to talk about, uh, you know, I'm not a machine learning guy. You're doing a great job so far. <laughs> but I, anything that's coming out of my mouth probably is YouTube. It's making but, sense. <laughs> but now you're, you're doing the same thing for a WordPress plugin, which is amazing that updates a site. That's why when I talked to you, I perked up. Number one, I have you know, I've always, like you, interested in AI, but in the cutting edge stuff and what's happening with that and how it's affecting like every industry out there. And you know, it's going to affect WordPress um, in, from various angles. Mm. And then, you know, I'm like, but how, one of the things that really, I don't know if it's a question I asked or you just told me, but I was like, well, how does it know that the site's broken? And part of that is visual. Yeah. So, and I think you said there's like some kind of mathematical model you the AI is creating to compare the version before an update to, you know, and make sure that nothing on the front end too, not just the back end and, you know, there's PHP errors or whatever is going yeah. on, but you're also being able to visually, it's being able to visually measure things. Exactly. That's the component of checking that after it's implemented the updates in the staging environment that it hasn't wrecked everything. So they would look through the, the, the logs. When I say 
day, the bunch of algorithms responsible for that component. But yeah, in, in terms of, of Ape, he's he's scanning all the, the logs of the debug file for WordPress. And, and for those who are unfamiliar, uh, it's basically line of code and events looking for anything that's out of place. And on a visual aspect, so the appearance of the website, it would also conduct an analysis and it would compare the two and make sure that, okay, this is still behaving the way it's meant to be before I touched it. Yeah. Now I'm going to push the updates to the live website and it does that exact same analysis again because you never know. Uh, and if Ape comes across something such as a fatal error or something like that, it'll roll back and it will find that best mix of WordPress updates that keeps the website. Oh, so, does it. so even after you push it out, it's still going to check and make sure everything, you know, once it goes live, that everything yep. works. It's That's awesome. Very cool. And so, I, <laughs> so, so those that are listening, I do, I, I did get some, a couple licenses. I think where you set me up with some to test out on my own sites. And then yeah. I have clients that I know for sure would, would love to try it out eventually as well, but I want to test it on my own stuff first because exactly. I'm skeptical. No, yes. <laughs> I, I've been murdered in Facebook groups saying that is impossible. Uh, <laughs> and we never trust something like that. So we've had to do it the old fashioned way, build up some good case studies that's and right. keep going yeah that's a good approach i've known others that have built similar not same kind of exactly business but software businesses that that process does take a while it's kind of momentum going though eventually where people are starting to they see other people using it okay maybe it is good you know maybe i will try it or um you have to kind of build that trust over over a period of time and yeah. eventually it'll snowball exactly i completely agree and i actually think it's the best way just get it to a point where you can get it in front of customers, even if it's rough around the edges, because you don't want to go too far down a, a rabbit hole of what you think people want, because you could be completely wrong. But also, um, a, a lot of people are tempted when uh, they start out building software is to, to stay focused on funding. Um, and that could be a complete and utter distraction. Mm. Uh, and I, I think once you've got that customer to supplier interaction and you keep that channel open, the, the amount of knowledge that you're going to get, it'll keep your finger on the pulse to exactly yeah. what's going on. That's interesting. Uh, a little side there. Like, so when people get funding for a company, they're going out there. Somebody's giving them a bunch of money. Yeah. To just go yeah. out there and market it. Get out to the masses. There's an alternative approach where it's just doing the groundwork, you know, doing it, you're, you know, just one by one, bringing yeah. on board yeah. people and getting the message out there. And, and you find that process better because you learn more from it. It's a more organic kind of process. Exactly. I mean, that's kind of how I built my agency. So that's, that's why I'm curious. Yeah. Like, uh, like it's and that's it it's it's bootstrapping that would be the definition of bootstrapping you're you're getting started you're prototyping as, as you're going along uh have, have you ever heard of something called the marshmallow challenge what is it the marshmallow challenge the marshmallow challenge yeah it sounds familiar but uh maybe there's different marshmallow challenges out there yeah there, there is the one you're like throwing marshmallows in your mouth how <laughs> many you can get in there well i, I i'm going to take this on an interesting tangent but i, I think it's the best example this particular challenge, you get 20 spaghetti sticks, one marshmallow, a certain length of sellotape, a certain length of rope, 
And the challenge is you need to build tallest freestanding structures. So it's normally, this challenge is normally carried out with different groups of people. And the question I always like to ask is, who do you think would be the best equipped knowledge-wise to complete that challenge? Who would have built the highest structures? Wow, that's a good, first of all, it's a cool, that's a cool uh, challenge. Um, engineers. Yeah, everybody says engineers, CEOs. Well, I have a feeling that's not who it is. Yeah. No, it, it actually turned out that it was kindergartners. Would, would that be the right term in, in the US? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> the, little, the little guys? Or the little guys, yeah. Five or six. And it was funny, like they conducted this study and they found that engineers and the CEOs and all the business people, when they're split into these teams, they wasted far too much time planning because they only have 20 minutes to build this tallest structure oh, right. yeah. before they, they knew it they had five to ten minutes left and they're like oh crap we haven't built anything yet yeah. so they scurry and they, they try and construct the tower and then they realize that the spaghetti sticks are actually really weak and they need to reinforce them and the foundation and they panic whereas the the group of four five six year olds they just picked up got started prototyped and prototyped and, and they built the most tallest most intricate interesting so looking structures you could ever see fantastic yeah I and I, I think there's a lesson to be learned there yeah. where you know don't spend too much time planning and analyzing i think it's really important to get your hands dirty and just keep trying mm -hmm. and yeah you're going to fall flat in your face a few times but if the problem is still there and it persists and you know your solution will work it's yeah. all about the delivery from there that's cool that is a great i, I got i gotta remember that i know i'll be using that again i'm gonna steal that from you uh oh, steal away. <laughs> yeah so so how are things going in general you've been doing this for how long now um with this plugin you developed uh, i suppose that the project in the whole was around two years so i had to spend some time fundraising it is an important part of your business but it's not to be all and end all because if you have a group of talented people who really care about the problem they're going to keep going anyway i found that when i was doing all this fundraising stuff I decided, you know what, now I'm going to take a couple of steps back and really think about what I was doing. And then I looked at how quickly Spera grew and how we started that business. And I just thought, yeah, what am I doing? Let's refocus on the customers, customer by customer by customer and keep on going. And it's not easy. It's hard. If it was easy, everybody would be doing this. But it's a journey that takes twice as long as you think it would take more than likely cost twice as much. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. like building an agency, you know, as I get deeper and deeper and deeper into it. This is definitely not for everybody. <laughs> Yeah. This, is, this is a lot of work. There's yeah. a lot of commitment involved with this. So I always ask a couple questions at the end here. Or I think we can we can talk all day. We'll we'll have to have you back if you'll have if you'll have us. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. <laughs> So what we're going to have our regulars here. I already had my, I had my first second guest, first guest that came back a second time past week. So that was fun. But what is kind of one of the things that if you were to do it over again, that you wouldn't do? Like, what did you, is there a failure that sticks out in your mind? What did you do wrong? Like you, that you think you could have done better first round? What I did wrong was I was looking too much at articles, the problem being experienced and statistics and data to prove the demand for it. And I didn't bring real prospect of cost 
customers who would potentially use this in early enough. Uh, and I think if I could do it all over again, that's where I'd start. As soon as I had something or the idea of something, there's a lot of nice people out there who's willing to talk, share their frustrations and their problems. They, they really believe in what you're doing as well and share that enthusiasm. Yeah, I feel that I wasted a lot of time just analyzing and building what I thought that the market wanted. When I started approaching people for the first time, I realized, actually, I've got this completely wrong. Had to change the way we were developing it uh, as we were going along, the new features we were adding, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I feel that our current point, even though we've got a lot of work done, we're at the stage where we're only getting started with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good lesson too. I can relate to that lesson as well. You know, you do all this research and you try to figure out like, what, how should I do this? You know, and, and based on what you're reading, what you're, you know, but until you actually start interacting with people and start to actually doing stuff or asking them questions or listening to them, uh, you don't really know or make the direction. So now what's, what's your win? What do you think you've done best? It has you in a position now where you're starting to get some momentum and things are working? I mean, is, is it make, maybe it's making that decision to go to talk to people more? Uh, I, I think the best decision I made was trusting people, trusting my fellow team members yep. who like they, they really view this uh, as a vocation more than anything. They're in it for the long run. Uh, their heart and soul is in it and there's a huge passion behind what they're doing. Finding the, that mix of people, I feel uh, it's a big win, but also very fortunate that it's worked out that way because I think also you have to accept that sometimes people are going to uh, let you down. You have, you yeah. have to be cognizant of that. That's that's really actually our episode where uh, this week's episode uh, with Dolan White where it's all about teams yeah. team building that is at various points in our discussion today I'm like I would really like to dig into that but maybe that's for another one just finding those people the like-minded people that are with the same passions and, and bringing that team together it's so important uh, to have somebody that's really on board with your idea and can bring something to the table that or an energy or, or knowledge or whatever that's, yeah. that's a whole thing it's, it's half the battle yeah. you know it's and yeah once once they have that passion and they really feel and believe that there's a purpose behind what they're doing man it's like purpose and a mission like and i try to communicate that to my team and sometimes i think i got to do better you know just thinking about yeah. now like maybe i should send an email out today and or or have a meeting a team meeting about this you know because i even if you did you've done it you want to keep doing that because i think having that a team that's on board not just to do the task and, and bring home a paycheck but that's really engaged with what you're doing is that's that's really valuable very cool very cool conversation and very cool yeah. project i'm excited to test this thing fully um, yeah i'm excited to hear uh, hear your thoughts uh, and and how it's working out for you but yeah it's an absolute pleasure yeah well thanks again and uh hope we'll have it back sometime we'll talk more about whatever we decide to talk about i wish you luck with everything you're doing awesome thanks for matt it was great to be here all cheers right. that's all for today's episode what a great guest and i got to talk about ai and machine learning for the first time on our podcast one of my favorite topics at least it's one of my favorite topics to watch on youtube again please subscribe if you haven't already and share this episode if you found it valuable if you want to comment on this podcast or provide me with requests on topics for future episodes please find your way to mattlevenhagen.com you can add a comment under these show notes and as an aside i just picked up a domain for the builders so when you go to my website, you may have to uh, click a link and go to that new domain. And then you bookmark it because you definitely want to bookmark my podcast. You know, <laughs> I also 
run a web design agency. We build custom WordPress themes, features, manage or maintain websites, test AI-related plugins, <laughs> and also run a WordPress theme marketplace called Hexaver. If you are interested in a theme, pre-built or custom, or are looking for an agency to work with as a partner to build awesome sites for your clients, feel free to reach out to me either at mattlevenhagen.com or unifiedwebdesign.com. Each have a handy contact me link at the top, fill out that form and it will open a ticket. In my AI bot, make sure I see that ticket and answer you in a timely manner. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. See you next time.